Hey there, Crosswinds family and friends. Welcome to Crosswinds Unleashed. Each week, we're dedicated to bringing the best stories and biblical life principles from authentic believers. Our podcast breaks down the Christian life through interviews and practical instruction, and we're hoping in a fun and accessible way. I'm Craig Cooper, the host of this podcast and lead pastor of Crosswinds Church. Let me give a special shout out to Elijah Merrill, our producer. He does a wonderful job. Everything that's good about the podcast is because of him. I own what isn't, and thank you for your patience with me. Uh, if you want to learn more about this podcast or anything Crosswinds related, head on over to our website as crosswinds.church. What I want to do this week in this episode is, is spend a little bit of time talking about spiritual dynamics, proper attitudes or thinking that needs to be fostered or corrected to experience really a God-directed movement. And, and that's what we inspire to do and be here at Crosswinds, is to be a God-directed movement. And I think any believer in Jesus Christ decides, desires to be a part of a God-directed movement. Every God-directed movement needs to adopt certain attitudes or patterns of thinking. Sometimes these attitudes merely need to be fostered. And other times, our attitudes need to be corrected to bring rightly into alignment. Alignment with what can be called a biblical mindset as it pertains to God-directed movements. And so I want to look at five attitudes, five attitudes to unleash spiritual dynamics in our movement. And this is attitude number one, spiritual dependence. It's one of our discipleship measures here, disciple measures here at Crosswinds, that we're dependent on God's Spirit. We read these words in John 15, 5. Christ is speaking, and he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing does not mean nothing at all. For even people who don't know Christ, unbelievers, of course, carry out their ordinary activities of life apart from Christ. Rather, what it means is nothing of eternal value or an inability to produce spiritual fruit. Spiritual dependence is shown when I'm on mission with God. In order to be on mission with God, we must understand it's all about Him. I recently saw a conversation between um, pastor and author Francis Chan and a churchgoer. Apparently, after one particular um, Sunday uh, worship experience, a churchgoer came up to him and said, I didn't really like worship today. To which Francis Chan responded, that's okay, we weren't worshiping you. I love that answer. In order to be on mission with God, we must understand it's really all about God. It's so easy to get in a rut of going through life and attempting to do good or even great things for God, and then asking him to bless our objectives. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do great things for God, but we can't do great things for God unless we're doing them with God, unless we're doing them directed by God. God sets the agenda, and we join him. And it's important to remember, we we don't merely invite God to join us each day. We receive God's invitation to join him. In her unique devotional, Jesus Calling, uh, there's she writes it in a way that as if God is speaking directly to us. And, and Sarah Young writes, she's writing from God's perspective to us. Relate to me as creature to creator, sheep to shepherd, subject to king, clay to potter. 
Allow me to have my way in your life rather than evaluating my ways with you. Accept them thankfully. The intimacy I offer you is not an invitation to act as if you were my equal. Worship me as King of Kings while walking hand in hand with me down the path of life. Any God-directed movement is filled with people of spiritual dependence. The second attitude, that that any any movement of God, any God-directed movement needs to have is humility. This is part of our disciple measure as well, reflecting Christ's character, humility. 1 Peter 5, 5-7, this is what we read. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. God's people are to give themselves entirely to God, submitting to his wise ordering of their lives. And this takes humility. Just that phrase, the mighty hand of God, brings to mind the Exodus found in in the Old Testament where the Lord delivers Israel from Egypt by what his mighty hand, we're told. Here's the simple truth. You You have to humble yourself and trust God to walk across the parting sea. That's what he did. Pharaoh's armies behind them, the seas in front of them, he parts it. And, and, and of course, you know, that's the only way of escape is to walk through this thing. But you have to humble yourself and trust God to walk across the parting sea. I like how C.S. Lewis defines humility. He writes, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Humility is an inner all of how we need God and resulting in this dependence on him. Humility is not a symptom of weakness or incompetence, but of true self-understanding, godly wisdom, and self-control. And any God-directed movement is filled with people of humility. The third attitude is repentance. And this discipleship measure here at Crosswinds, it's, 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 we have this measure of being sustained by God's word and prayer. In fact, it's in our values as well that we would be biblically and prayerfully rooted. We find this encounter with God in the church uh, uh, in Revelation 2.5. It says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Again, Christ is interacting with the church in Ephesus. These words are to that church. The Ephesian church was doing the right stuff. They patiently endured endured, and ministered well, but they had become unmoored from Christ. They were doing the right things, but had lost their love for Christ and their love for others. And Jesus tells them to go back to their roots to love Christ and to love others. In other words, to repent, to turn away from from their hardened hearts. They're just sort of going through the routine, sort of that robotic Christianity and get back to the heart of, of God. And this ties in so closely with spiritual dependence. In fact, there is an awful lot in common. Now, let me say a word about prayer here. 
Prayer is, Oswald Sanders writes, prayer is not preparation for the work. Prayer is the work. And and prayer ties so closely into repentance because prayer really is just a communication with God. It's a two-way communication. Us talking to him, him talking to us. And we can't grow in our intimacy with God without hearing from him through his written word and conversing with him in prayer. Repentance comes from interacting with God's word and learning what's right and what's wrong and and prayerfully asking the Spirit of God to, to help us engage in those things that honor the Lord. Even those who may have a robust and consistent prayer life may find that once they get in the grind of the day, that they miss the opportunity to stop and pray. And there's no greater power to help us get unstuck in the moment than prayer. Remember to take everything to the Lord in prayer. Now, not every prayer is about huge issues. And I think sometimes we get so wrapped up into thinking like, that's not big enough to take to God. But if it's on our mind, it's going to be on God's heart. If it deals with God's purpose in our life, our life and the life of others as church, nothing is too small. When we come to the Lord in earnest prayer, the Holy Spirit takes it from there. And what does he do? He adds his power. He adds his power. There's never been a great movement of God that has not been preceded by repentance and rooted in prayer in his word. Any God-directed movement is filled with people of repentance. The fourth attitude is responsibility. This disciples measure for us as crosswinds is worded this way, multiplying Christ's followers and in our value statement, it's it's one of our values. We, we, we say we value disciple makers. I think of these words from Hebrews 5, 11 uh, through 6, 2. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice and distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again on the foundation a foundation of repentance from deed works, dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. The Hebrews writer here is expressing this need to be a true disciple of Christ, to be growing in Christ, and, and to take the responsibility of not just being a growing disciple, but discipling others who will disciple others who will disciple others. It's known as the Second Timothy 2.2 principle. Paul says to his young protege, Timothy, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. We see in this one verse, four generations impacted this discipleship process. We have Paul to Timothy, Timothy to others, and these others to these others. See, maturity has nothing to do with age, but deepening personal responsibility. Understanding what God has called us to in journeying with him in making disciples. See, a Christ follower takes personal responsibility for their own spiritual growth, as well as God's call on them to disciple others. 
The goal of every believer is not merely to become a self-feeder, able to study and apply God's word for themselves, although that's important and certainly a call for us uh, as disciples. But it's also to help others do the same. And and we discover that any God-directed movement is filled with people who are taking personal responsibility. The fifth and last attitude that I would share with you is what we'll call missional thinking, missional thinking. In the discipleship measure for crosswinds, that's we word it this way. It's sacrificial kingdom service. In our crosswinds values, it's what we call generous living and also culturally relevant, where we take the timeless truth of God's word and connect it to an ever-changing culture. God's truth doesn't change, and God's truth is always relevant. But how we connect that to the culture changes. This podcast, for instance, isn't something that would have been done 20 years ago. And so that's what we're talking about when we talk about being missional thinking and allow the Spirit of God to direct us in his service. In Matthew 28, 16 through 20, and then in Luke 24, 45 through 49, John 20, 21, Acts 1, 6 through 8, we read the Great Commission. Matthew's is the most popular, so let me read from it where Jesus says, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Again, the the Great Commission verses are found in in Matthew, Luke, John, and Acts. And and so they're they're powerful. And it's in Mark. So it's in each of the Gospels. And it's also in the book of Acts because it's so important. It's, 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 It's why we exist. It's to know God. It's to make him known. But what exactly is missional thinking? Well, missional thinking, simply put, is living a missionary lifestyle. It's, it's being an everyday missionary in our everyday mission field of our homes, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools. Throughout the places where we find ourselves every day, whether it be a grocery store or the mall. Think of it this way. Missional thinking is embracing the posture, the thinking, behaviors, and practices of a missionary in order to reach others with the love and message of Christ. In many cases, God is not asking us to do something different, but to have him lead us in our doings for his glory and in our blessing and the benefit of others. What I mean is is that if if your child has a football game tonight or if you're in a football game tonight as a student, God's not saying you can't do that. In fact, go do that, but do it in the name of Jesus. Allow him to open doors where perhaps you can share his love and message um, in the midst of those things which you do every day. Go to work, go to school, but claim those times for Jesus. But you're not just going to work, but you're working unto the Lord is what we find in Scripture. You're not just going to school, but you're going to school unto the Lord. And allow him to open the doors and, and allow for there to be discussions about him and, and to be able to share his love with the people around you. We live in a society not any different than any other society. We live in a society that's relational. And they need to know that God in heaven has created them to be in relationship with him. And you may be, as some have said, the only Jesus that someone ever sees. Now, what's that mean? You're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. But we are his ambassadors. And by sharing his love and message, people can be drawn to him and into a relationship with him by the Spirit. There's little doubt 
that we live in a culture with a massive spiritual atmosphere. I believe we do. Massive spiritual atmosphere. But great spiritual confusion. And we've been given this amazing ability by God to be the church. To be the church. So that as we go out into the world, we can help relieve that confusion by living for Jesus and by sharing his message. Missional thinking leads us to ask God how we how we can join with him to share his love and message in the places we find ourselves. Again, not simply doing something and asking him to bless it, but having him lead us, as the scripture tells us, to keep in step with the Spirit. And the wording there, keep in step, really means following his footprints. But he leads the way. He directs us. And as he directs us, we're able to know the things that we're doing will be blessed because they are being led by him, being empowered by him. Missional thinking leads us to understand the future. The future is in the harvest. The future is in the harvest. What do I mean by that? I simply mean that as Jesus said to his disciples, look, the harvest is ready. I just need harvest workers. That we as believers understand that the future is in the harvest. That what God has called us to do is know him and make him known. So that more people will know him and make him known. We, we are here as crosswinds because of generations. 2,000 years of believers who were faithful in knowing God and making him known. 2,000 years from the time of Christ to today. Knowing God, making him known. Knowing God, making him known. So we can know him and make him known. Missional thinking leads us to realize that we gather as a church on weekends, for instance, in our weekend worship experiences. We gather as a church in our small group ministry. We gather as a church in kids ministry and student ministry and celebrate recovery. We always gather as a church to scatter as God's church. We gather to put the glory of God on display so that we can scatter and share the love of message with the world around us. Crosswind's mission is to know God and make him known. And our vision is to release the church to reach our region and beyond. Let me say it again. Crosswind's vision is to release the church to reach our region and beyond. And by the way, that's the, however a church puts their mission on a piece of paper or however a church puts their vision on a website, our mission and our mission's always the same. It may not be worded the same, but it's always the same. It's to know God and make him known. Our vision is going to be worded a little different. It's unique to who we are. And at Crosswinds, what does it mean to release the church into our region and beyond? It means a believer living as an everyday missionary in their everyday mission field and sharing Christ with others in the hope that they will believe. It means a person who is, who's being discipled in what our small circle, our one-on-one discipleship ministry here at Crosswinds, that as they're discipled, that they'll go on to disciple someone else, will disciple someone else. It's a, it's a disciple multiplication. It's a small group who, who multiplies other small groups. It, it's our campus multiplying another campus, like our Hopewell campus. So we're not in our online campus. And so it's not just about what happens on our broadcast campus, our Canadegua campus. We've got two other campuses. And I pray that the Lord will lead us to have many, many, many more campuses. 
It's churches planting churches, and, and, and Crosswinds has had a history of, of a church plant. And right now, we're, we're, we're coming alongside a church plant in, in West Henrietta, a multicultural church plant. And we're investing money and time as we're, we're working on a facility for, for the, one of the pastors there to, to be able to, to live in their parsonage and, and to have ministry there in West Henrietta to, to, what the, to what Sam, who's the pastor of that church, who's from India, he said, it's interesting, God brought me from India to Rochester, and God has literally brought the nations to Rochester. So He has a heart to bring these people from all over the all over the world who happen to be in Rochester into fellowship and and worshiping together. What what a beautiful picture we have of heaven of the multitudes gathering together, and we now have a have a, a few dozen people who are doing that in Rochester, and that church is growing. We get to be a part of that, and we want to invest in as a movement into other God directed movements. Missional thinking helps us understand a fundamental question. The critical question is not how do we get bigger, but how do we reach the harvest? Not how do we get bigger, but how do we reach the harvest? That doesn't mean that God isn't going to grow the number of people who are part of crosswinds. but, But really what God's calling us to is to grow deeper so we can grow, we can grow broader. That more and more people can come to know Jesus and, and grow in their faith and then help others come to know Jesus so that they can grow in their faith. And see, any God-directed movement is filled with people with missional thinking. So here, here's the five attitudes, again, of a God-directed movement. Attitude number one, spiritual dependence. And by the way, these are in no, no specific order. But the first is spiritual dependence. The second is humility. The third is repentance. The fourth is responsibility. And of course, that responsibility is, is, is in our own growth and helping others grow. It's the Great Commission. And it's the fifth attitude is really this missional thinking. And these attitudes must be present. And then there's others we could add. And I'm sure even as you're at home thinking about it, you're adding some. But, but these five have to be present if our movement can rightly be said to be God-directed and, and God-empowered. And so... I share that with you uh, specifically to those who are part of our Crosswinds Church family, but I believe it's helpful for any believer. It's even helpful if you're out there and you've yet to make a decision to follow Christ to understand what's it really mean to be a part of His church. Where's God's? What is God's heart for people? And the church exists to share God's heart for people that He loves them and He sent Jesus Christ to die for their sins, be resurrected for their salvation. But he's preparing a place for those who are following Christ. And he's going to come back and take us to be with him for eternity. But that he leaves his very spirit to indwell his believers, to know him and make him known. To, to be unleashed as his church to reach the people around us. Well, I hope you'll join with me next week. Next week, we we jump into another exciting interview with a a colleague and friend of mine here on staff at at Crosswinds. Remember to check out crosswinds.church. You can learn about this podcast, all things Crosswinds. You can connect with us. But for now, be blessed and bless others. Bless others.